future is Mecca. In the previous episode. I've got a cake life. Start with just little things and talk gently, nicely to it. Cake stand was super busy. Having someone you know wanting and hoping you would lose, that just made me feel bad. It's Coop. Good old Coop. Galar server walked up with the cake, grinning. The truly your Thomas zone? Coming out of a side path were the three dark strutters of Davor and his friends. Davor was stepping over her, bringing his clout down towards my cockpit. Azalea went down fast and went down hard. Davor was stepping over her, bringing his clout down towards my cockpit. I fought the proths, trying to bring the right arm up to block it, but it kept going straight up. I couldn't get it across between my cockpit and the thick length of sink tree coming down. It hit the canopy with a sharp crack. I looked for a broken panel, but everything was intact. He raised up for another blow. Azalea was thrashing on the ground, hitting out and kicking at Nabu and Klaus's legs. Her ribbons were getting crushed into the dirt. A couple were tangled around Nabu's foot, the mounting pegs flying around as he tried to avoid her blows. I had to help her, but the stupid baby had gone unresponsive again. I forgot the coaxing. How could I forget that already? I whispered to the baby as I worked the proths. Get your arm across. Block the clout. It worked. Davor's next blow landed across the baby's forearm. Now slide. Let that tree trunk ride down your wrist and into your hand. Pull it hard. I got a grip on the clout. I could feel it through the prosthetics. I pulled hard, ripping it out of his grasp. Shreds of bark and splinters erupted from his hands. I let it go flying away from us across the taz and into the distant trees. Lean in and push him, right in the chest, push him away. It was more his side than his chest, but it had the right effect. Davor went stumbling backwards, colliding with Nabu, and they both twisted wildly away from Azalea's fallen mecha, fighting to recover their balance. That left Klaus closest to me. I guess he didn't like that because he backed off, waving his clout in front of him. The poppers kept moving away. Nobu was still trailing one of Azalea's yellow ribbons. This isn't over, Praxit, said Davor, and the three trotted off down a path and out of our sight. Azalea sat up. She placed her mecha hands on the ground between her legs and from there lifted herself into a handstand. Ew, mistake, she said, and continued into a half cartwheel that brought her onto her feet. Coda reappeared from behind Big Tree. I'm ready to kill someone, three someones said Azalea. I'm covered in chocolate cake. My cockpit's covered in chocolate cake. She held out her mecha arms. My ribbons are filthy, and Toxic Nobu ran off with one of my yellow ones. At least you still have this red one, said Coda, picking it up out of the dirt. He handed it to Azalea. She banged the mounting peg against her other hand to get the muck off, and then pushed it into its mount point on the back of her forearm. I need a spray wash, and so does my mecha. I talked the baby into walking around to where I could see into her cockpit. There was a big chocolate streak across the inside of her canopy. There was more chocolate on her face and in her hair. I watched her run a finger down her cheek, scraping off the chocolate, and pop it in her mouth. Thanks for jumping in to defend me, I said. She shrugged at me across the distance. It wasn't much of a defense. The basics totally got me, and I wasn't in harness, and by the time I was, it was over. You did all the work. You and your squat mecha acquitted yourselves well, said Coda. 
Davor has more than a small scratch in his body paint to complain about now. The baby had done well. It had been a little slow, but it listened to me, and it worked with me, like a partner instead of an opponent. I patted the console. Good work, baby, I said. Calibrating. Calibrating. I huffed out my nose. As Aaliyah didn't want to pay for a visit to the Mecca Wash and refused to let Coda pay, most of the work is going to be cleaning the cake out of all the controls. A Robovac is only going to smear the chocolate around even more. And the outside, it's just a hose job. I can do that at home. We have plenty of water credits. Coda and I met with her to the nearest transit pad when we were back on the ring road. As she jetted away, the missing forearm ribbon made her look like a jet missing part of its wing. The other ribbons, carrying dirt and heavy creases from the brawl, flapped unevenly. The overall effect was one of watching a wounded giant glide away after injury and defeat. You know, Praxit, my friend, it doesn't seem fair for the two of us to get up to any fun without her. Not after she took all the punishment for us. Yeah, she was pretty fearless in there. Absolutely. It is her way. If only we could all be like that. He knew I had seen him take cover at the side of Big Tree. He didn't need to say anything. He's never been a fighter. Azalea has been defending both of us since day two of the crash. Day one, she had spent chasing each of us. When she finally cornered Coda and I, she hit us and we both cried. Then she cried. I guess that's how you make friends when you're too little to know better. You can take off. I'm going to trudge home, see if I can tweak the baby's walk, make it tighter. Mech safe. Keep a wary eye out for those poppers. He walked on the transit pad and jetted away, turning as he lifted off to head towards the city. The back of his white mecha glistened, reflecting the gold of the late afternoon sun. He was shunted up to the high-speed transit lane and shot away, dwindling into a bright dot. The walk home was slow, but uneventful. The earthquake sensation in the walk reduced to a tremor as I whispered and whispered, step by step, limb by limb, joint by joint instructions. How could I get finer than that? I couldn't talk any faster. I told her to keep going as it was and shut up. As long as I kept moving the profs in exactly the same rhythm and range, it remained stable. I had been lucky in the brawl. Davor had been intent on caving in my cockpit or popping an elbow or wrist joint. He'd kept hammering on the same spot. That would never work in a global tier match. If either Nobu or Klaus had joined in, they would have got me just as quickly as they took out Azalea. Her poor cockpit. It was a real pity that cake had been wrecked. It had been such a good-looking cake. Even better than the one Dad brought home. Except for the writing on the top. That greenish-brown lettering. Hilarious. I can't believe he did that. That he could just walk in and make it happen. And he took care of Cooper's bill, too. Ah, oh, Moon. Cooper and the Invigilator. I really hope they didn't talk about me. I really had to do something and I wasn't going to like it. Treat it like a sim match, I told myself. Study the Vreams, learn from them, stay cool, move on. For the first time, placing the baby in position on the mechapad did not endanger the house or the sink trees. I whispered it almost exactly into a perfect center stand, then wasted another few minutes coaxing it a bit left, a bit right, a bit forward, a bit back, but we were just square dancing around the spot, so I gave up. Shut down, baby, I said. Shutting down. 
It brought up its hand, and I stepped onto the plate on the console and out onto its palm. Good night, Pilot Praxit. A tingle ran up my spine. It knew my name. Why was that making me grin? Good night, baby. It lowered me to the ground, and I hopped onto the grass, right next to the bear patch from the drone crash. Instead of going straight inside, I stayed and watched the baby straighten up. The cockpit clamped shut, and the canopy covers unfold and snap seamlessly into place. It was completely still for a moment. Then everything shifted a tiny amount. I guess that was all the limb actuators and joint controls powering down. It was like watching it completely relax. I would have been pretty relaxed too, if I hadn't been freaking out about Cooper and the invigilator. Monday morning came too fast. One moment I was completely bored, sitting on the back deck with my tablet, the repeater feeding me question after question about early media as Dad hacked away at the garden. The next moment I was in bed, listening to him get ready for work when it was barely light outside. I had found a full set of media stream questions on the net. I stuck them in my repeater and let it quiz me with the endless patience only a program can have. It was a clever program. It used a strategy called spaced repetition. If you got a question right, they wouldn't ask you again until enough time had passed that your brain might just be starting to forget it. Then, at the right moment, it asked ask it again, helping your brain keep the information locked in. You meant to use it over days and weeks, but I didn't have the time. I didn't move until I heard the crunching of Dad's bike rolling over the bits of drone in the street. I still didn't get up. I pulled my tablet from under my pillow. The icon for Bucket of Kittens was so tempting when I had so much time before I had to leave. A picture of the corridor with the invigilator's office door at the end of it springing into my head helped me open the repeater for the millionth time. I ran through the questions for everything that might appear in the first section test. Dad had not unexpectedly returned home by that time, so I went downstairs looking for his tablet. You'd think I was trying to sneak up on him, I went so quietly. The house was empty. I wasn't fooling anyone but myself and the Robovax that I wasn't up to no good. The tablet was on the couch in the living area. I opened the banking app and took a photo right off the screen using my mini-tab. It was the safest option. Dad would never know. My hands were shaking so bad the camera couldn't de-blur it. It took three shots and holding my breath to get a picture where he could read all the numbers. I hoped it was enough to keep Anu quiet. I had nothing that he asked for. Those numbers were all I had to offer. Since I was up, I decided to head to the learning place early, while the commuter lanes were mostly kitty-free. It was funny going out to the baby. The sensation. I was almost looking forward to getting in. It was still ugly and dumb-looking, and that color... But I was mastering the challenge. And we won a brawl together. Well, it was more of a skirmish, but we didn't just fall face down in the dirt and thrash around ineffectively. I knocked. Not twice, but bump diddy bump bump. Bump bump. It still worked. Good morning, Pilot Praxit. Good morning, baby. How do you sleep? Calibrating. That's what sleep's for. The baby really had been calibrating. I had to constantly coax it into tracking how I moved the prof Saturday. This morning, it just needed little corrections. I didn't have to talk continuously, except at the corners. Turning from the yard onto the street and from the street onto the ring road both required guidance, but it was okay. I was even able to achieve some speed. It was still bumpy, and I was glad there were no kids around to see it. 
but it was the fastest I'd traveled since last Tuesday when I rode a scooter. When we got to the edge of the learning place grounds, I talked us into the trees. We moved between them now, instead of colliding and bouncing and hoping we'd go the right way. There were a couple of mechas in the stand, but no one was around. I didn't want anyone to see me coming out of the trees. I told the baby to stand by, and I stuck out to the stand before the first wave of arrivals could spot me. It was hard to believe. Not only was I at the learning place early, but I was sitting on the front steps, all alone, letting the repeater feed me question after question. Getting into trouble really changes you. After each round, I would reward myself with a level of bucket of kittens. That's what I was doing when Anu approached and stood over me. He was straight to the point. Good morning, Praxit. What do you have for me? Out here, I said, squinting up at him. His face was pointed down at me, but his eyes were moving everywhere behind his red Ari glasses except at me. Yes, here is fine, but others will be landing shortly. He sat down next to me. I am waiting. Who does your father work for? Who sold him the Mecca? I took out my mini-tab. He won't tell me who he works for. Some guy called Lemur sold it to him, but he's disappeared, and all I have is this pick of the bank transaction. He took the mini-tab from my hand and stared intently at the image on it before handing it back to me. Do you want me to send it to you? No need. I have captured it. Delete it. Why would your father not tell you who he works for? A mecha whooshed down onto one of the transit pads on the road outside the school. Another landed as soon as the pad was clear. He said they made him sign lots of screens and threatened him with fines and correction time if he told anyone. Fascinating. Have you followed him to find out where he works? I had to lean back to see his face. He missed my look of disbelief because his eyes were away in the corner of his glasses. No, it was the weekend. He wasn't working. And how would I follow him? He rides a motorbike. So he does. And yes, it appears his employment contract is under commercial seal. It is reassuring that you're telling me the truth. It is a pity he doesn't trust you. He trusts me. He shouldn't trust me, but I knew he did. Why else would he leave his tablet lying around unlocked? I got a message from Azalea. She was amazed that I was at the learning place so early. Going by her emojis, I was crazy, her mind was exploding, and hugs and kisses. Anu sat there motionless. He was staring out into the stand, and from the side I could see his eyes shifting. And that guy needed to clean his ears. When your father leaves for work, does he head east? East? East. The direction of the sun in the morning. I guess. He turns right onto the ring road. Then I think I know where he travels to. A no-fly zone activated over the eastern industrial sector two weeks before your father signed his sealed contract. How do you know this? It is public information. Why do you care about no-fly zones and my dad and the Mecca? It's just a stupid Mecca. Anu shook his head. Was he feeling sorry for me? He was the freak. The life-wrecking freak. Praxit, you are ignorant. No one has ever seen a no-fly zone outside Glurk drop pads. A safety feature is now serving a security function, virtually sealing off a part of the city. He was so serious, about nothing, and he was blackmailing me over it. I couldn't take it. It's probably full of lens heads waiting to disappear kids. Anu actually turned to look at me, 
right in the eye. I guess he didn't like my joke. Lens heads are real. Because he was looking at me, he couldn't miss me rolling my eyes. Lens heads are the henchmen in just about all the supervillain viries. You know the ones. Head-to-toe black outfits, wearing some kind of helmet or face mask that is covered in lenses so they can see in the dark. Super stealth and martial arts skills, always sneaking into buildings at night to kidnap people or access computer systems or sabotage stuff. But somehow they're never as strong or as brave as the hero, and he or she fights off a horde of them to win the day every single time. Anytime anything goes wrong, there's a certain kind of person. Starts with Cray, ends with Z, who immediately blames the lensheads. And the lensheads are always working for Glurk, old earth bankers, or some deadbelt lunatic genius. It all depends on what's gone wrong. You need to spend less time in The Sims and more time paying attention to the real world. I almost laughed. That was rich coming from a guy who never took off Ari glasses. I just looked away. He returned to his eye shifting in his systems. Three hardvac rangers landed, one after the other, each a bright red striped with white. They all had a white circle on the chest plate, and in that circle was a red fist holding a Mecross stick with 548 underneath it. CO2, I said, and Anu looked around, followed my gaze. The Mecross team made it to the city quarterfinals. The coach promised them team paint jobs and place colors if they did. I bet they all changed their hair, too. Mecross is inconsequential. Ignore them. I searched on the account number you found. It's linked to an exoglurk org called Collective 23. What is an exoglurk He grunted. An organization operating outside of the glurk recovery and technical support zones. They're probably in the rehab zone. Financial transactions are a bit tricky with them. I can't find anything about this Collective 23, so your information wasn't helpful. But it has added a new facet to the mystery. A mecha with a zero identifier purchased by a man who works for a secret company in a no-fly zone from a person who has disappeared paying the money into an exoglurk org's account. It is very interesting. Do you agree? It's confusing, I said. Could your father be working for this Collective 23? That would close some loops. You must find out. I can't do that. You can. You know what will happen if you don't. He pushed his glasses slowly back up the bridge of his nose like a bad guy in a veery pulling out a knife. He could threaten me all he wanted, because Cooper was doing his job for him. It's already happening. The stream advisor sent my results to the invigilator. Your stupid 94 looked bad. Really smart move, genius. I'm, I'm just waiting for the drones to collect me. They will hear how you offered it, how you did it all. Anu gave that lopsided, clever smile of his. The invigilator is not going to send for you. She's very busy. Too busy to remember marking Cooper's matter as complete and for no further action. I will talk to you later about tracking your father. He stood up. By the way, there has never been an ultra-heavy drone crash, he said, and hurried away towards the main doors. That was a weird thing to say. I hadn't even mentioned Friday night's drone crash to him. I turned back from watching him scurry away to see why he was moving so fast. Tien, Ainsley, and Risto were coming up the stairs, and they were wearing white shirts that matched their mechas down to the white circle on the chest with a red fist above a red 548. 
The tops of their hair was white, the sides and the back was bright red. They really went all the way from Met Cross. They sniffed at me as they went past, and Tien and Risto both managed to clip me with their legs as they went by. Sorry, big nose. Weave your widow maker at home, Dim Ward. They all laughed. I stayed quiet, and they kept going. Anu was right. They were inconsequential. Toxic Anu. Did he really have access to the invigilator's messages? Was that any harder than hacking the testing system? He didn't seem concerned about me confessing and telling his part. So either he was a champion bluffer, or he really had access. That's a problem with freaks like Anu. You can't even begin to guess what they're thinking. I tried going back to my repeater, but I could no longer concentrate. All that stuff about no-fly zones, lens heads, and tracking my dad. It was crazy. I sat and watched the Mecca's land, and collected fist bumps from the arriving learners who knew who I was and saw my tower battle win. That made me feel better. I didn't hear another single dim lord. At last, Coda and Azalea arrived. Her Mecca looked spotless. It took all of Sunday, and when I stand at it just then, I found more flakes of chocolate on the floor of the cockpit. I don't know where they came from. I scrubbed everything. I'm going to be finding chocolate for months. Did you eat it? I said. That's disgusting, she said, and leaned down and punched me in the shoulder. But yeah, a few pieces. I don't see any sign of Davor and his friends, said Coda, looking out over the Meccas. I wonder if they'll be in today. They won't give us trouble here, said Azalea. Not after I start telling people that Praxit's chubby little Mecca took them out. Everyone will think it's hilarious. The stream bell rang and we split up. I wished I could tell them about Anu. The morning stream was media. I was back at the table with Jumana, Van, and Oswin, and they'd all watched my Tower Battle Elimination series. Every match. Neef, your drone strikes were legit madness, said Oswin. Hanging off the back of the module was a supreme fake-out, said Jumana. Really thought you had it when the range had knocked you across the field, said Van. You made that live mech really move. That last pop? A perfect ending, said Jumana. You really use a Series 15 rig? My grandma has a 19. I thought that was bad, said Oswin, taking out his food supplies for the morning. Another giant banana protein drink, a nut block, and what looked like a household-sized tub of yogurt. I seem in a 23, but I'm thinking about trying a 15 like yours. We're talking so much, Leopard came over to settle us down. Get out your veer set, Praxit, and get started, he said. I hadn't opened my bag, and all the chatter no one else had noticed. I want to test out, I said. Oh man, you just got here, said Oswin, unscrewing the top of his banana drink. Not until break, Oswin, said Leopard. I want to test out too, said Jumana. She flicked her blue ponytail back and gave me a look that I knew was a challenge. Oswin groaned. Okay, you two, said Leopard. Van stopped his ever-spinning pencil. I'm out as well, he said. Oswin banged his head against the table. The three of you, then, said Leopard, over to the testing sets. You're all leaving me. We'll see you at the next table, Oz, said Jumana. You can do it. Oswin looked pretty sad as he took a big long drink of banana protein and waved a droopy goodbye to us. The test was easy compared to the common stream final. All that time on the repeater might have helped. The program works better over weeks than it does over just a weekend but the test was only 50 multiple choice and true or false questions. 
I flew through it. When I flipped the test setup, Van was already spinning his pencil, waiting for Leopard. When Jumana was done, he came over with his screen and tapped through it. Very good, Jumana. One hundred. Nice one, I said. Praxit, ninety-two. Van, ninety-six. Ninety-two? I missed four? I'd have to pull up the results and see where I went wrong. At least that ninety-four wasn't alone anymore. But the first test in a stream is nothing like the final test. You expect high scores. Leopard looked around the room and started twisting his pencil in his hair. It must help him think. Now, I can split you up if you want, or there's an empty table over there you can all move to. We stuck together. Why not? The next topic was current media. Still a drag, but it could be worse. I'll spare you the rest of the day. Except for lunch. The food was okay. Exotic lab meat pizza. This week it was giraffe pepperoni and hippopotamus sausage. Like we haven't had that a hundred times before. All the protein was printed from digitized gene profiles. One day, Glork keeps promising, those digital gene profiles will be used to resurrect the complete animals, rather than just for printing perfect pink slabs of their meat. It'll be cool if they ever manage to resurrect them. First, they have to restore their habitat. Rebuilding an entire ecosystem when 95% of all species have been wiped out sounds like an impossible task. The hard part is all the bugs I hear. There used to be just so many different kinds. All that's left now, at least around here, are the ones that live in the soil. Millipedes, centipedes, those little gray ones that roll into balls, and worms. But worms aren't bugs. They feed us lab meat pizzas every other week. It gets a bit boring eating whatever lab meat didn't sell well last basic production cycle. Coda didn't eat that stuff. He had some kind of four-course macrobiotic buffet packed into his white lunch capsule. It was all brown and beige and hydroponic and very healthy looking. I think he even had seaweed from the actual ocean. We ate our lunch under the long-distance glares of Davor, Nabu, and Klaus, and the swinging glances of the rest of the kids. The learners would look at our table, then they would look at Davor's table, back and forth, whispering and giggling. Azalea had done a good job at spreading the word. The paupers were doing their best to throw a shadow in the sunny eating space and to cast their darkness our way, but the growing noise and the looks were wrecking the effect. Davor knocked his tray onto the floor and it skidded along, flinging pizza slices. Nobu and Klaus did the same. Then the three of them got up, and I thought they were heading for us, but they were leaving the eating space, leaving the mess for the drones and the cleaning bots to deal with. When they were passing by us, Davor changed direction and walked towards our table. It made us all sit up. It made everybody watching sit up. As he walked, he took his bag off his shoulder and reached into it. He walked straight up to Azalea and pulled out her yellow arm ribbon that we had last seen wrapped around Nobu's ankle. I was expecting a club, maybe even a knife. The ribbon was rolled up tight with the mounting peg locked into the center and looked spotless. He ignored me and Coda and held it out to Azalea. Here, he said. Thanks, I guess, she said and took it. Like I said on Saturday, it wasn't about you. He turned and went back to Nobu and Klaus and the three of them walked out of the eating space. That was a nice gesture, said Coda. After attacking us, I said. I should have asked him to wash and flatten my other ribbons, said Azalea, turning it over in her hands. He did a better job than I did. That afternoon's technical stream was very blah. 
the cool sim stopped working like it was programmed to do. Then I had to watch Viri inside the sim about some math so I could make balls bounce again. That sort of thing. It was okay. Standard learning strategy stuff. I kept at it past the end bell. I stopped only to message my friends. Really? I hung out in a learning sim, learning like a learner, because I wanted the stand in the commuter lanes to empty of kids and kids in meccas. It was like everything that was happening to me was making education the best option. That didn't seem right. Neither did enjoying it. The walk home went okay. Even better than the walking this morning. Dad messaged me while I was mecking, whispering to the baby, trying to get our steps to be less stompy. He was going to group and would pick me up if I wanted to come. I was like, nah, I've got a match booked. I didn't really, but I hadn't been in the rig since Friday and I was never, ever going to group. At home, I decided to jump into Glurk's tunnel construction sim, which was known to all the simmers as Metal Snake 1976, or just Snake. You drove multi-segmented tunnel boring machines through a zero-gravity lump of rock modded to be about as dense as basic cheese, trying to find and ram each other while dropping blast charges. It's more of a fun sim than a competition sim, at least for me. You're not even in a mecha. I was hot on the tail of the Worm Wrangler, riding up the walls of the tunnel and across the ceiling, avoiding explosions and closing in, when I got a message from Dad. Hide all the noodle tubs and do a quick tidy. Some people from group are coming over. I groaned and steered into a blast charge. Sim over. Blast me. Blast, Dad. That's what all the cleaning was about. I stomped down to the kitchen like an out-of-control mecca from a Aviri. The place was clean, except for the chalk spread smears, the cheese slice wrappers, the crust and crumbs of bread, and a couple of stray noodles lying in a little puddle. Who would care about that? I did Dad a big favor and tidied it up anyway. I was in Rock Dog and deep in a match when I heard my name being called. I flipped up my veer set to see Dad and this strange woman standing in the doorway of the room. She came up to about my dad's chin, so she wasn't very tall. And she was skinny, her hair was silver and sticking straight back like she stood too close to an explosion, and she was giving me a huge, way too friendly smile. Proxit, uh, this is Minky. Minky, this is Proxit. Say hey, Prox. Hey. Her smile got even wider. It made her look nervous and kind of tired. Why would you be nervous about meeting some kid? It's so nice to meet you at last. Your dad is always talking about what a sim lord you are. Global tier, right? Yeah, I guess. You must be very talented. My son goes to 5482. I bet you know each other. She ducked her head behind Dad and gestured into the hall. Come on, hon. Come and say hey. Come on. Oh, great. I wasn't the only kid dragged into this awkward situation. Why do parents do this to their kids? Always forcing them to talk to people and say hey and all that business. Dad shuffled aside, and into the doorway stepped Davor. He glared at me. I glared right back. Want more Futures Mecca? And want it sooner? Visit patreon.com slash futuresmecca.